Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to service today. It's great to see all of you here. I do want to uh, give a special shout out to uh, Kevin Williams, who's here. He's He was deployed for 11 months and actually just got back on Friday. So great to have you with us. Thank you for your service, and it's great to see you here, brother. Thank you. You can go ahead and turn over to Romans chapter 8. We will get there in a second. Uh, We are continuing our summer series today, Transformed 100 Days to a New Life. And we are asking God to change us this summer, to help us to be different people, where we can Look back at the end of the summer at the ways that God transformed our lives to say that we are closer to God, that we're closer to other people, that we are a better follower of Jesus, that our lives look more like his now or at the end of the summer than they did when it began. This is spiritual growth, right? The goal is not just to believe things as a Christian, amen, it starts with our faith, but then it needs to translate into a different life a life that reflects our faith, a life that looks more and more like Jesus. Amen? So that's what we're doing. You guys with me? Here we go. Okay. So we're going to look in Romans chapter 8. We've been covering the the beginning of the chapter, and we're going to continue in verse 18 here in a second. We are on day 57 of 100. We just passed the halfway point last week, and um, we've been talking about our life in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, and the role that the Holy Spirit plays in transforming our lives. Our, our lives don't change. You know, we don't have spiritual transformation just as a result of our effort. Now, our heart, as Steve has talked about, our heart does play a role, but the real work is going to happen as a result of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so uh, that's what we've been talking about, the way that the Holy Spirit helps us to grow. Okay, so. Uh, you know, just kind of picking up here in the, in the chapter, Paul has helped his audience to grasp really the picture of the lives that, that they can have in the spirit, that they have an opportunity to have with God, that they get to be God's children, that we get to be guided in our steps by the Holy Spirit. But then here, actually in verse 18, Paul turns and he addresses kind of a different question. It's almost as if his readers say, okay, thanks, Paul, for that picture. That sounds great. But the life that I face now is difficult. I face trials. I face suffering and even persecution because of my faith. So how do I hold on to that incredible life that you've talked about in the face of everything I'm going through? And this is what he's addressing, starting in verse 18. I'll give you the title of the sermon. Sermon, and this is kind of picking up. It's it's great that George shared what he did because we're picking up on the kind of the road trip theme here. The title of the sermon is, Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? Living transformed lives on the path to God's glory. Are we there yet? And I'll have three quick points coming out of this passage. Okay, so we'll start in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will, will be revealed in us. First of all, I just love how Paul begins this. You know, this kind of this, this uh, answer to the question of suffering in the world. He says, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. God's plans for our lives are so much greater 
that whatever we're going through, we're going to look back and think how silly it was that we got caught up in those worries about our sufferings. But then how can we be confident of this? How can we kind of keep this conviction of really that our, our sufferings just pale in comparison to the glory that God's going to reveal in us? Verse 19, he says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We'll stop there for just a second. It says, Paul says kind of first, he says that we can be confident in, in, this, in this conviction of, of, of God's coming glory that will help us to really reframe the suffering that we're going through. Because when we look around, we see all of creation groaning in anticipation of the glorious end that God will reveal in us. The revealing of the children of God. Literally, the, the Greek word that, that Paul uses there in, in the eager anticipation is it refers to someone craning their neck to see what's coming down the road, just, you know, just stretching themselves to try to see what's coming. It's as if the world is standing on tiptoe, waiting for this glory to be revealed. And then Paul says that the creation was subjected to frustration. He's probably talking there about Genesis 3, where, you know, in the fall and after the first sin, how the perfect garden that God had created that had, you know, produced abundant fruit and just this incredible life for the people that God loved instead was cursed to, to produce thorns and thistles for them. And so that this, that God's creation, this, this vision that he had for, for his world, Paul says was subjected to frustration that really it was hindered by sin in the world. And yet, that when God's plan comes to fruition, that all of that will be taken away and God's creation will be returned to the state that God desires. Once again, abundant fruit and incredible glory in the new creation. So the creation is looking forward to that. Now, Paul, I don't think he's like personifying rocks and trees and things like as if you know, the, the bush has a mind of its own and it's, you know, just feeling this great glorious thing. It's, I don't think it's quite that. But I think what he's saying is that when we look around at creation, there is abundant evidence that points to the impending restoration of all of creation, including ourselves. Now, here's the key. Okay. So we got a little bit, it's a little theological and deep and stuff like this in this passage, but let's, I want to make this practical here. And this is my first point. If we talk about, are we there yet? How do we live transformed lives on the way to God's glory. The first point is to look out the window. Look out the window. You're in this, in this uh, road trip here. You got to make sure you're looking out the window when you're discouraged and you need to be reminded of God's promise to make things right in the world and in your life. Go and spend time in God's creation. It requires getting away from your busy schedule, turning off your phone, going out into the quiet, into the stillness, being reminded of God's plan for the world. We all need this in our lives. I know that I need it. 
regular time in God's creation to be reminded of what his plan is for my life and for the world. We have an incredible opportunity to hear the witness of creation quivering in anticipation for God to restore the world. But we have to make the time to hear that testimony. We have to make the time to, to get away from the busyness, to get away from the distractions. And I don't know about you, it's so easy to just live lives that are constantly connected to the phone, constantly connected to the worries of our lives, constantly connected to the immediate needs around us. And I think Paul, one of the encouragements that we see here is to get away, separate ourselves, and be in creation to be reminded of what God is doing in the world. Look out the window. Take in the scenery. It will do you a world of good. So I would encourage you this week, look at your calendar. Actually, you can do it right now. Go ahead and pull out your calendar if it's on your phone or wherever else you got. Somewhere in this week's schedule, find a spot where you can put in time to be in God's creation. Take a second. Go ahead. You can look. Take out your phone. Take a second. Find a spot. Find somewhere that you can go. Because I know it just, it just won't happen if we don't make it happen. Find a spot. Just put it on there. Maybe just pick a day at least. And go make that time. We need this to be reminded of what God is doing. Okay, that's number one. You guys, you guys uh, got that? You're going to do that this week? We're going to come back next week. I'm preaching next week. So we're going to come back next week, and I'm going to ask, so how did it go? And everyone's going to stare at me and say, oh, no, no, we didn't do it. Oh, okay. No, no, we will do better than that, won't we? Okay. That's number one. Look out the window. Number two, let's, let's, uh, let's keep reading. Verse 23. So Paul is referring to creation really groaning in anticipation of what God is going to do. And then he, verse 23, he says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul says that we can kind of, we can attest to the fact that, that creation is kind of in this state of anticipation, because we also are, are, are experiencing this. We also are, you know, creation is groaning around us, kind of standing on tiptoe, waiting for God to, to restore what he's created. But he says that we're also in this place, waiting, and, and he says kind of groaning inwardly. He talks about how we are people who have who have the first fruits of the spirit. He's saying, you've already got a taste of what it's going to be like, but you don't have the full harvest yet. That's coming. And God has promised it. And we know because we already have that taste. Paul talks elsewhere about the spirit being the guarantee of our inheritance, the deposit that guarantees what's coming. And so we, we know that it's going to be there, but it's not fully realized in our lives yet. We're still in this place of waiting. And I, I really appreciate George. And this is a lot of the, the, the point that I think we can draw out of this passage is some of the things that George was talking about. And this is my second point is that we need to, on the, on the road to God's glory, we need to follow the route. Follow the route that God has given. The temptation is that we, we know that it's out there, but it feels a long way away. And we want to take a shortcut. We want to take the shortcut. Paul says that if we hope 
For what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And that's the key. It's really the only thing that he kind of describes as, as like what we need to do here, to wait for it patiently. We don't have to work out. We don't have to, you know, make the spirit come or bring it all, you know, here and like, come on, God, like, let's go. He just says, hey, you just got to wait patiently. But waiting patiently is hard. Waiting, patience is hard. It's so easy to find the shortcuts and try and, and, and compromise, to compromise, to build a relationship with someone who's not going to help us spiritually, to compromise, find just a little dishonesty as a way to get ahead, to compromise by, well, we don't really need to resolve issues. If we just ignore them, they'll work themselves out. But these compromises, we end up paying for them later. Right? They don't actually result, you know, the, the shortcuts that we think are going to help us don't actually leave us closer to where we want to be. We get off track. And then we're, you know, we're the, the car that you see off on the ditch somewhere <laughs> on the side of the road because we thought that we knew better than the route that God had planned for us. I'm always challenged by that scripture in Proverbs. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. It challenges me to the core because I feel this again and again and again, the temptation that, God, I, I don't really trust you to get me where you say you're going to go. I'm going to make my own way. So I would just encourage you this week to spend time reflecting on your waiting. Are you really waiting patiently? Are you trusting in God's root for your life? Or are there ways that you're off on a shortcut, thinking that you can do it better than God? Spiritual formation, it's going to take time. The transformation, we have 100 days, but we really have our whole lives to do it. And yet, we've got to be patient, wait patiently for God to transform us. Follow the route. That's number two. Okay, you guys ready? Third one. We'll keep reading. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and amen to that. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So Paul says, in the same way. I think he means, really, in the same way that having patient hope is really kind of going to sustain us in our walk, he says, in the same way, we also, it's not just up to us. It's not just kind of, you know, our, on our strength that we're going to survive this journey. He says, just as you have that hope to protect you, you also have another helper. God himself has come to help you to have a victory on the way. We have additional help, the Holy Spirit, to help us in our weakness. And it's kind of incredible. Paul says, you know, here, he's, it's not just that we needed the assistance from God. We don't even know the assistance to ask for. It's not just that we need God's help. We don't even know how to ask for the help. We don't even have the answers, but we don't have the questions either. What, is, what a, uh, uh, a weak state we are in as God's children. But we have the Holy Spirit, to come and help us. And this is the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit, he knows what we need. He's there with us. You know, the Bible talks so many, so often, and 
Jesus says some incredible things about the power of prayer to change our lives. He says that whatever we ask will be given to us in prayer, that we just need to ask, and God is overjoyed to give good things to us. He is a, a, a good father. But we face the challenge. We don't even know what to ask for. And so we, we're, we're in this state of just like, God, help us. We're not even sure how to pray. But the amazing thing is that God has set up his very own prayer ministry on our behalf in our hearts. That's the cool thing, right? He's saying that, look, it's not just us praying. He says, God has sent the spirit to be in us, to pray on our behalf to the father. It's not just me praying. I have the Holy Spirit in my heart, praying on my behalf to, to have the kind of faith that Jesus wants to have, to, have, to be able to express the things that, that God desires for me to, to be praying about. The Holy Spirit is constantly praying on all of our behalves to God. What an incredible privilege. He's asking for just the right things, exactly what we need at any given time. But our challenge, and this is the third point, is we've got to lean on our co-pilot. We've got to lean on him for help. You know, the, we have God's spirit in our life to help us to overcome our weakness. But in order to make the most of his power, we have to acknowledge our weakness. We've got to acknowledge the ways and the areas in which we need help. God isn't just waiting at the end of the road. He's right there in the van with us. But we need to rely on him. And we've talked about this again and again, but I'm just going to remind you of it again this morning, that we need to, to ask the Holy Spirit for help in transforming our lives. Look, we're weak. We all have weaknesses. I was talking to some of the brothers just as we came in. I just, I, I just, I had a rough morning this morning. I lost it with one of my kids trying to get them in the car, trying to get this, you know, and, and, you know, the kids have things they need to learn, but so do I. Look, we're weak. We need help. You know, we have this, this, this great vision of the spiritual life, and yet we also fall short so much. And thank God that we have the church, we have the scriptures to guide us, but we also have the Holy Spirit to help us through it, to help us to be different. But we need to rely on him. And so my challenge for you this week is that as, you, as you're praying to God, as you're approaching him, I would encourage you to pray something like this, not necessarily these words, but to pray something like this. God, on my own, I can't be who you want me to be. I need your spirit to help. Thank you for his prayers on my behalf. Help me to be more like Jesus. And that's really, that's, that's, I think, the heart that Paul is talking about here. Acknowledging, God, I can't do it alone. But thank you for the help that you have provided. Lean on our co-pilot. We have God with us in the car. Lean on him. Don't try to white-knuckle your way through. He knows the way. He will get you there. So as we look today, this passage out of, out of Romans 8, really living transformed lives on the path to God's glory. I want to encourage you with these three principles. Look out the window. See creation all around you in anticipation of what God is doing. And then spend time in creation to be reminded, to get, get away from the distractions and spend time being reminded of what God is doing in the world. Second, follow the route. 
Don't take the shortcuts. Figure out where is it that I'm, I'm not trusting God, where I'm not being patient, where I'm trying to find my own way. And then third, lean on our co-pilot. Ask for help. Know that we need the help and ask for it because God will give it to us. We're all on an incredible journey with God. We're not there yet. But if we commit to doing it his way, to following his principles and these things that, that Paul has encouraged the church, we will be transformed day by day by day. Amen.